0: Hello? Hello? Yeah? Okay. We'll just pray before we start. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you for this time. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would speak to us, not my words, Lord, but yours. Um, instill your truth into our hearts. It will bear much fruit. That your name be glorified, Lord, this evening and in our lives. In Jesus Christ, the Lord's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so uh, just a little brief of what we wanted to do. Uh, We were talking about, um, since Easter is coming up, it would be a good um, opportunity to see why we believe in the resurrection, like what would be the uh, evidences, like why, just because the Bible says so, or do we have, thank you so much, Uh, is it because... uh, you know it's instilled in our heart through various ways through the scriptures and all of that so we want to look at that all right so it's going to be a series uh what we want to do is on uh, easter sunday we want to give uh each family one of that uh we'd like you to read this as a family so that you know what it says it, again it's a reiteration of the truth and then pass it on to someone else who you continue to pray in your life that God would bring somebody that you can pass this on to someone so that they would know the same truth okay so that 's the deal uh, next the next Friday, uh, Dwight is going to be here, so he 'll continue on the theme uh, but um, but we hope that this will be at least t- uh, three weeks if um, if not probably a little more too okay but we we've we scheduled it for three, uh, depending on our um, conversations and our you know interactions. All right, I've got a bad cold, so I'm going to keep um, low energy today, if you don't mind. But uh, I, I really, if, you know, if in some way that we will contribute and ask questions, so that we want to learn together. All right, so I'm not the expert here. We want to learn together. That's the idea. The deal is, how do we? Like, why do we say, like, on what basis? Why is it so important? Okay? So those, those are the questions that uh, we want to look at. And um, so uh, are you going to be changing or you're going to be changing? Okay. So the, the, we will look at it in three ways. One is the internal evidence. The second is the external evidence or the legal historical evidence. And then you have the liar, lunatic, or Lord. We ask this question about Jesus Christ himself, all right? Now, this thing about internal evidence uh, is important because, you know, we have God's Word. We have God's Word. And if God's Word says so, why do we believe? Why do we believe what it says? What is the evidence that it gives, Okay, because uh, next slide, um, one of the questions that we really have to ask is if Christ be not raised, the importance of resurrection, the fact that Christ rose, what difference does that make so i'm going to have one of you can read first corinthians fifteen seventeen and someone else can read first Peter one three give us the two essential reasons. Um, or it gives us the uh like the keywords, if you would so that we can um start off looking at <coughs> the resurrection itself anyone who's got 1st Corinthians 15:17 Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you, have still, you are still in your sins right your your faith is futile your faith is in vain there's no point believing in Jesus Christ and you're still in your sins all right, so uh, so resurrection is therefore important. I know a lot of people would say that's not possible, whatever, and so uh, what they're trying to do is attack the very foundational basis of Christianity, all right so first Peter one three <coughs> right caused us to the living hope according to the resurrection of Jesus Christ or because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have a living hope, a living hope, a hope of something of, of the future. So not just the salvation of the present, but also the hope of the future all resides on resurrection. Okay, so So I think the first question that we have to uh, establish is uh, like we've we've understood this, but also to ask some of these questions, if resurrection, since resurrection happened, we are saying, what are the implications, right? So I want to first establish this foundation that resurrection was important. Uh, What are the implications, right? What does that mean to us? Because then once we know that this resurrection is important, that if at the end of the study, if you feel that resurrection did not happen, then don't be a Christian because there's no hope for us. That's that's what it's essentially saying. But if you feel that there is a resurrection, you see evidence from the Bible, internal evidence, external evidence, and all of those. Again and again, we see the truth that this is true, then that resurrection must amount to something. And that begins with our faith and with our hope, all right? So what I'd like us to do, all right, so we, we can, um, we, uh, let's do counting, all right? So we'll have to break up the family there. <laughs> one, two, three, we'll do three, uh, three groups. One, two, three, one, two. Gio, are you going to come or no, right? You're two, you're two. Uh, Sean is three. Okay, Gio, you wait there because I need you to keep moving <laughs> the slide there. All right, one. Two, three, one, two, three. Erica, one, two, three. All right. All uh, ones on the side. All, all, all ones on here. Two is there. three is here. <coughs> yeah. All ones there. This, this seems like all the one. Two is there? Two there? Okay. Two. Three is here? Twos are there? Okay. Oh, you're the only guy. One. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good. All right. So uh, group one, I'd like you to take one and two. And uh, group two, if you can take three and four, and group five, um, group three can take f- five and six. All right. Look at those references and uh, say what does it say about the resurrection? Because of resurrection, it resulted in something. What is that? <coughs> so right now we're beginning. We are looking at the internal evidence. All right. So I want you to understand. But uh, we haven't really begun the internal evidence. I'll set you. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, give you a little synopsis on what internal evidence is. But since you're looking at the Bible, what you're really looking at is the internal evidence. So it's that's what I want you to know. All right, one and two. <coughs> <coughs> the or yeah, like the significance that? or the result or what. No, one and two, just the first and second. Okay. <coughs> Romans one four, yeah. I guys looked at both <coughs> Are you done? Are you guys done? Is group two done? you guys done? All right, let's come back because we need to keep uh, keep rolling. So the first one, Romans 1, 4. What, what does Romans 1, 4 tell us about the resurrection? <clears throat> was to be the that we Jesus was declared to be the Son of God through resurrection. Through resurrection, it was confirmed that he is the Son of God, declared as the Son of God. All right, that's great. Because now if he, uh, you know, uh, he claimed to be God and so... Uh, son of God and so that's uh that's authenticated. What about Romans four twenty five? He was raised for our justification. Right. Mm-hmm. Raised, to life for our justification. raised to life for our justification. Because of our justification. And and I I think it's uh uh if you go a little theological I'll I'll, I'll just clarify here because it's it says death that causes brings us justification, but because he rose again, it proves the sufficiency of his sacrifice. Okay, by rising again, we have seen that we our justification is sealed, it's delivered, signed, delivered, whatever, however you say it, okay? All right, that's great. Um uh, First Corinthians fifteen. <coughs> Who's got that? First Corinthians fifteen, yeah. And so because we have resurrection, it ensures a salvation. So, it, so you flip it around, essentially. So that was a little trick one. All right, so Romans 6.4. So did you get that? Because Christ rose again from the dead, as uh, that verse is saying, it ensures a salvation. Okay? All right. Romans 6.4. Okay. So if you look at the entirety of uh, Romans 6, what we get is not just that we were being saved, but that we've been kept, our sanctification process too. And uh, because of resurrection, we have the confirmation of our, uh, or the basis of our sanctification. All right. So we have salvation. We have sanctification. Uh, Philippians chapter (coughs) 3 That's right. Because of his resurrection, he was the first fruit. Our bodies would also be transformed as his glorious body so that, you know, on the day when he returns, we can have the joy of uh, the glorious body. Okay. All right. Uh, Acts chapter 17 and verse 31. that he gave an assurance by raising him from the dead that there is a day of judgment, all right? So resurrection is therefore showing you all this. Now, you might still ask. We I, I, I want you to understand. We are still establishing the importance of resurrection, okay? And uh, so that we, you know, we'll say, oh, you're just taking it from the Bible. But there is so much that you can learn from the Bible itself because that's our basis, but you will see how the truth of, Bible, uh, truth of what the Bible is saying can be established. All right? But right now, I want you to understand, resurrection is so important. Without resurrection, our faith is uh, in vain. All right. Any, any, que- any questions or any thoughts that came to your mind and say, wow, well, this is great, I, I, didn't, I didn't know about it, or, or you had something that you wanted to add? Right, right. Yeah, very true. So so the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so important. Again, I want to reiterate that, without which we have no faith, no basis, okay? All right, so having said that, we'll go to the next slide. What we want to do is look at the internal evidence. This is where we want to spend some time uh, in trying to understand. So like I said, we will look at why we can believe the bible so that's the internal evidence and then the next time we come back we will look at the external evidence the uh, the logical and the rational evidence all right but uh, i want you to understand the importance of internal evidence now this is not because christians sat together and say you know if you go to the next slide it'll say that bible says so and that's why you know it's not the circular logic uh, Bible says so; it's right, and therefore it's right because the Bible says so. It's not just because of that. There are laws or rules of internal evidence that we will apply, and that is what we want to look at through God's word, in God's word, to confirm what it says is true. Okay. So, <coughs> all right. So, um, uh, so go to the next one, please. All right. So these are the five things that we uh, that are there, and I'll quickly go through each of those just so that we get an idea. I don't, get, I don't want us to get technical. It's not about knowing the fire. It's not that we're giving a test, all right? But uh, I'll very quickly go through this, but spend some time looking and cross-referencing, all right? So the first is the author's credibility. <coughs> uh, see, if the author says anything which is contrary to facts, or there are any contradiction. He says something at the beginning and then says something towards the end, or whatever. There are contradictions. Then the the credibility of the author is impacted. Uh, credibility of the author is impacted. If he's not an eyewitness, if he's not close, he's not seen the you know the event. And so those are some of the things that we will look at when we look at the author credibility. The Aristotle's dictum uh, that. That they apply for uh, every um, that you would look look at for a document is saying that when you look at a document, when you look at a document, you will not uh, you will not uh, write off a document just because. Uh, let me read that to you so that uh, I mean I didn't. It's technical, but you get an idea. The benefit of doubt is given to the document itself and not arrogated by the critic to himself. What that really means is, if if you get a document, the document will prove false if the authors are found false. That's what Aristotle's law says. That if I get a document, I would want to know the veracity and the credibility of the author. There is any problem there, then I start to doubt the document. All right, so that is what that one is. Then you have the parole evidence rule. The parole evidence rule is it's the language of the will. So if the will is written, for example, all right, so the will is written, and what the will says is what we will apply for the rule. We will not borrow information from outside. There's no external information that will be borrowed to understand their document. So, for example, uh, looking at scriptures. If you believe that miracles cannot happen, that's an external information. You cannot apply that external information into the document saying, because I don't believe in miracles, then this document has to be false. You cannot do that. You have to apply the author's credibility, you have to look at the Aristotle's dictum, and then you have to say the parole law, which says this document, what it says, is the information that we have to look at. All right? I know it's a little technical, but just stay with me, all right? So you get an idea before I, before we go into And then you have the hearsay rule. The hearsay rule is that The author, did he hear it from someone else or did he actually see it? Was he a close witness? The importance of being a witness uh, of the author is important. It's not just a hearsay. It's not just legendary information. Okay. And then the cross-examination principle is when it's been cross-examined by hostile witnesses, if there are people who are opposed to the witness and in spite of that, if the uh, if the author's credibility stands up, then it talk, it speaks for its doc, you know, for the authenticity of the document. That is, if there are others who want to discredit, and even after disc, trying to discredit the document, if it does not, it cannot be discredited. Then it speaks uh, for the document. All right. So, I, I uh, like I said, let's let's just look at some of the details, and it becomes a little. Easier, right? So the first one, we'll look at the credibility of the authors. Now, uh, I've taken two examples. One is Luke. What's the credibility of Luke? What do you think? What do you know about Luke? Doctor. He was a doctor, all right? Okay, what else? What else do we know about Luke? As a writer, or as a person? Very specific. Very specific. How do you know that? If you will turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 3. If you will turn to Luke chapter 1, verse
1: 3. <coughs> Alright,
0: so with many convincing proofs, you, you, did your verse say that or did your... Uh, uh, is that uh, chapter, uh, uh, verse 2, sorry? Verse, verse, two, oh, verse 3. Yeah. Verse 2 says, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the w- word have delivered them to us, it seemed good uh, to me also, having followed all things. And verse 3? Yeah, oh, that's verse 3. Okay. All right. So let me just read. Uh, it, it says, because... Uh, I think the translation that I looked up had this verse, many convincing proofs, many convincing proofs. So, so now we say, okay, the Holy Spirit has, is the one who inspired him to write.
1: Here it says, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything right. from, the beginning, from the beginning, I decided to write an orderly account for you,
0: most excellent Theophilus. Theophilus. All right, so Luke is the author Now, you could say if the Holy Spirit is given, you don't have to do anything, just sit there and the pen just moves. But it's interesting how the Holy Spirit uses the human author and he very, with convincing proofs, confirms that what he's writing is true, right? So there is the the credibility of the author uh, coming there. And one of the words the word that he uses, why I wanted that convincing, the word convincing, the word used is very unique. The word there is uh, of a demonstrable proof and evidence. That is, he is very particular. Now, he is saying, I want to I check this out. I'm going to check cross-reference, do everything systematically, because my credibility as an author is at stake, and I'm going to check all these as facts, and that's when he starts to write, and he writes to Theophilus. And we don't know who Theophilus is, but he's actually writing to someone else who is probably in a high government official or somebody. And so if this document is going to reach him, he, gonna, he wants to make sure that this document that he gives is accurate. All right? Um, okay, so uh, any, any questions, any thoughts here? No? No? Okay. Um all right, then we'll look at the uh, look at Paul as an author. We'll look at Paul as an author. So 1 Corinthians fifteen one and two. If somebody can read that, 1 Corinthians fifteen one and two. Now I can remind you, brothers,
1: of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast, look to the word I preach to you, unless you believe in vain.
0: Okay. Um, <clears throat> did it say that which I received from other verse 3 also? I guess you have to read that. Yes. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins. Right. So he preached as first importance. Okay. Uh, what do you do? What is that first importance? What 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 is he referring to? That Christ died, that Christ died for your sins and was buried and was was raised again, the most important thing, right? I mean, he's not just talking about anything else. He's saying that this is an essential truth, and this is what he received, and he's passing on, all right? So so, uh, the question then is, what is the authenticity of what he received and what he passed on, all right? So um, if you will turn to... um, Galatians chapter 1, verse 18 and 20, and someone can also look at Galatians 2, 9. Galatians 1, 18, 20. Okay, and Gil uh, two nine, next uh, chapter.
1: Nine. And when James and Cephas and John, who seem to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of
0: fellows <laughs> to Barnabas and me. To the and to the All right, so what Paul is doing here is that he he goes and meets with James and with Peter and later with John too. To confirm that what he has understood, the gospel that he's understood, this fact of resurrection, the burial, the death, the burial and the resurrection that that, that has been confirmed and having received that, confirmed that he passes it on to the others he, that's what he begins to teach all right so uh, so th- that is what Paul is saying uh, also let's look at second Peter chapter one verse sixteen, and somebody can turn to Dan if you can turn to John twenty 2030. John twenty and thirty and somebody it's second Peter chapter one verse sixteen. For we did not follow
1: cleverly divided commands when we made known to the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were
0: eyewitnesses of his majesty. Right. They were eyewitnesses of his majesty, all right. So they actually witnessed him. So that we that's what we read in first Peter chapter three and then uh, uh John chapter uh, 20 and 30 now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not Okay many other signs in the presence of the disciples so both John and Peter are also saying they were eyewitnesses and so why the essence of uh, the thing is it's the eyewitness account that has been written okay and uh but then you you start to think about their discipleship disciples itself what did, what were the disciples teaching what what like let's let's just assume that uh let's at this point let's just say that you know now jesus died they thought he was going to be the messiah they meet up and then they decide all right now what do we do let's start a religion all right now jesus is gone let's start a religion what did they start to teach what was the essence of christianity that they started to teach What are some of the, if you were to say, this is Christianity, about resurrection, they taught about resurrection. One thing they should have avoided, but that was the core of what they taught. Okay, what else, what else can you say about first century Christianity? <coughs> that Jesus was the son of God. But just take, talk about the characteristic, or like the difference uh, Christianity as a religion versus other religions, what would that be? All right. Okay, and um, uh, talk about uh, let's say t- about social causes. What? 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 what how was Christianity different? It was more monotheistic. Okay. what about social causes? Also, like, taking, care taking care of widows and orphans. Okay. All right. Okay. What else? Right. Okay. Uh, Jesus's birth. This. Okay. Okay. I, so what we're trying to do here is I, I'm I'm trying to say that if disciples were the ones who started the religion, let's say we all we all sat together and said, all right, we need to start a religion. All right. What would be some of the things that we should have as part of the religion? If that were that, having witnessed that Jesus died, he didn't rise again, or whatever. If that were the fact for them. Where would you begin? What what would be the things that you we would start to say that this would be religion? Okay. All right. Okay. If you were to start a religion, how would your religion want to be? Self-serving. Self-serving. Okay. All right. Trying to attract crowds. causes or whatever, right? Okay. All right. Okay. So this is what J.P. Moreland uh, has to say, all right? When Jesus was crucified, his followers were discouraged and depressed. They no longer had confidence that Jesus had been sent by God because they believed anyone crucified was accursed by God. And yet they taught um, uh, what is that? Uh, that honest, uh, they, they taught honesty and condemned lying. If they taught honesty and condemned lying, if they themselves were lying about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then there is a problem there. They couldn't sustain the credibility for too long. Okay, so that's what J.P. Moreland was saying. But think about the disciples themselves. Do you, do you see any transformation in the disciples? what 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 do you, do you see anything different from from the time when Jesus, when they were with Jesus versus when you get to acts chapter 3 and 4 and onwards so they were, they were, they were they courageous were okay say so what else they were not, no longer sheepish. they were no longer sheepish okay um, yeah, they were like they were, they were on fire on fire or whatever there was a transformation which is very Unlike them, all right? So what what happened when Jesus was arrested? What did they do? They ran away. They ran away, all right? But what happened as you get to Acts chapter 3 and onwards, Acts chapter 2 and onwards, actually? They boldly proclaimed their faith. Again, this is what uh, he continues to say. Uh, resurrection was the belief that turned heartbroken followers of a crucified rabbi into a courageous witnesses and martyrs of the early church. Did you know that, um, <clears throat> so how many disciples were there? Twelve. And how many died a natural death? One. Uh, wh- wh- what about the other eleven? They were martyred. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is that did like two at least two questions. One is how come nobody succumbed under pressure, like nobody broke under pressure like if there was a torture, right? How come they did not uh, break down and confess that we did, we just made it up right Second, the fact that those ones who ran away didn't want to stand now were willing to die. What is it? What credibility would you give the disciples? uh, Because uh, you know they they were martyrs. Okay. Uh, What about our conviction? Actually, I mean, I I guess that's a good question to ask, right? If we were so convinced, how much? What is it that we'd be willing to do? How does our conviction look like, or a response to a conviction? Say it again. What go? To what length would we go? Yeah, I mean, I guess we ask, I'm asking that myself to us, to me. Right, we, 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 we saw that these disciples, they, you know, they, they took time to know that what they wrote was the truth inspired by the Holy Spirit and they gave of their lives for this truth. And if that conviction of the truth is ours, what are we willing to do for the truth? Right? It's a good question to to ask, I guess. All right. So I just had that chart there. That um, except for John, in fact. Uh, we don't have that in the Bible. All of this information is actually extra-biblical. It's historical evidence, all right? So they say about <coughs> John is that uh, he was thrown into boiling oil, but he survived that, and then he was sent into exile into Patmos, <coughs> where he wrote the book of Revelation. And having come back then, I think he, uh, he was in Ephesus where he passed away. Right where he died. So he was the only one who had the natural death. Everybody else was. I'm not sure how much you can see from there, but let me just read that out to you. Matthew was uh, impaled by spears. James was thrown off the wall. Jude was uh, crucified uh, in Persia. Uh, That's John, and then Matthias was stoned. Philip was hung. Uh, Peter was crucified upside down. Thomas was stabbed with a spear. James uh, uh, was beheaded. He was the first of the disciples who was beheaded, if you if you remember that. And uh, Simon, um, this is not the Simon Peter. It's another Simon. He was crucified. Andrew was crucified on an X-shaped cross. And Bartholomew was flayed to death. All right, so... Uh, that's a good uh, piece of information that we would know that these very disciples' resurrection transformed them to be willing to die, and none of them, you know, none of them uh, uh, thought their life was uh, more valuable than the truth that they were called to. And uh, also Andrew on an egg shaped cross. In fact, they say about Peter is that he asked to be uh, crucified upside down because he didn't think it worth to be crucified just like his savior was. But again, these are his extra-biblical, historical information that we have. All right. any, any thoughts here? Any questions here? alright so then the next one the next slide is uh, the hearsay hearsay alright so what what intrigues me most is that where did they start the preaching on the 50th day on the day of the Pentecost when when the Holy Spirit did come on them Wh- where did they where did they begin in Jerusalem where he was crucified where was Jesus' ministry most of the time wasn't Galilee, all right? So if, if, if it's if it's something that you're doing, creating, and you know trying to keep this uh, faith alive through our, uh, through their own efforts, where would you wa- Sorry, where would you want to go and start? <coughs> where would you want to go? Naturally speaking, but it's happening in Jerusalem and he stands there and he talks about Jesus Christ his death and his resurrection and there is no counter argument no none of those 3000 people who got saved because these information this information happened there none of these people stood in a post and said but we see that the tomb is still there the sto- a stone is still there the body is still there in fact they uh, what was the theory that uh, uh, that we read that the Jews would say, what's the theory? That the stolen body theory, right? The body was stolen away. They would not say, no, it, the, the body is still there, or whatever, it's a stolen body theory that they were talking about. The stolen body theory itself indicates what? The tomb is empty, at least. Right, the tomb is empty. All right, so we haven't really, we still cannot prove resurrection with that, but we can say that at least a tomb is empty. All right, okay. So, <coughs> um, this is what um, John Drain has to say from the earliest evidences of the uh, of the sermons that are found in the Book of Acts. That almost certainly goes back to the time immediately after the resurrection event and has alleged to have taken place. You see, because what does Peter, let, let's just look at that. Acts chapter 2, uh, chapter 3, sorry. <coughs> Acts chapter 3. If somebody can read uh, from verse 14. Uh, Actually, you know what? Uh, Read from 22, so that'll be better. uh, Melvin, can you read that from 22? 22? Yeah, 222, sorry. okay so what what I, that is what i wanted so he's talking about jesus christ very clearly he could have spoken about all the good work that he did he, what's he talking about what's peter talking about peter is only concerned with the the death the, and the resurrection of jesus christ okay in uh, in Jerusalem, it's the Pentecost. It's one of those feasts where all the men of, uh, of Israel would come. So it's the same crowd almost, if you would, uh, uh, that, that, were, that, that were there for the Passover that, that's come back now for the Pentecost. Right? So they've seen or heard at least when they were in Jerusalem about the crucifixion. Fifty days later, they come back for the next feast as Jews do thr- thrice a year. And while they're here is when Peter gets up and what's he speaking about? Not about the unfair killing, not about any of that, but he speaks about the resurrection. And what's he referring to? What's he connecting it to? And that's what I want you to know. What's he connecting it to? What's the reference? What, what, what's, he, what's he making reference to? Say it again. The Old Testament prophecy, he's saying, listen, this resurrection is not something that we're making up. It's there in the Old Testament. You look at your Torah, look at your prophets. Prophet David is actually saying what's going to happen, and he makes a connection. And so there's just absolutely no uh, out, right? They've seen their death. Now they hear about the resurrection. They know about the empty tomb and the connection with the Old Testament All right. So, and again, as we will look at the external evidence, but I'll make a reference here because you will start to say, "All right, well, the prophecy could have been written later, or whatever it is." But that's where the external evidence comes in and says, "No, these prophecies were written. We have documents, evidences, all of that that these these have been written. uh, The the last of the prophecies were written 400 years before the Lord Jesus Christ was born." All right. So. Alright, one other thing, if you turn to Mark 14, if you go back into your groups, and Mark 14, if you will uh, look up how many times the word high priest comes up, and let me know how many, how many times you can pick, pick up from verse 14, uh, chapter 14, sorry, high priest, no, chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, the whole chapter, how many times do you find the word high priest? And by reading that word high priest, what inference or what do you pick up? I want, uh, I want, I want us to know what, you know what do you learn from that? <clears throat> Michael, are you okay? <coughs> you okay? <coughs> yeah, okay. <coughs> Give me a number. <laughs> all right, there are seven times the word high priest comes. All right, now, what lesson do you pick up when Mark is referring to the high priest? I'll give you a hint. He doesn't give the name. He just says high priest.
1: Okay, I'll see.
0: Yeah. Priest I actually, th- technically, if you go, there are two. There's a high priest and a chief.
1: Betray, betray okay.
0: Okay. Right. No, I'm just saying the use is only high priest, but the name is not given. So, what can you learn from that? Name of the high priest is not given, or the chief priest. Uh, is not given, but it's only a reference as a high priest. What can we, f- what can we take away from that? Say it again. Not important. not important. Okay. What else could it be? Want to give a S- say it again. Didn't want, to give Didn't want to give a direct reference. All right. Okay. Any any thoughts here? Okay, so this is what Rudolf Pesch, he's a German commentator. Uh, he writes and he says, uh, 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 the source never mentions a high priest by name. This implies that Caiaphas, who we know as the high priest at that time, was still high priest when the story began circulating. If it had been written after Caiaphas's term term of office, his name would have had to be used to distinguish him from the next high priest. But since Caiaphas was the high priest from AD 18 to 37, the story began circulating no later than AD 37, within the first seven years after the event. I'm not sure whether you follow what he's saying, but essentially he's saying that as this story, high priest was, being, uh, was used because. The nearness to the event, you don't have to say Caiaphas the high priest. You knew who the high priest was, and so therefore you see that in the earliest document, because we know Mark was the first of the gospel that was written. All right. Now again, the, this you don't rest all your weight on that, but this is something that you you know put in your back back pocket, the hip pocket, if, if you will. All right. Okay. So. Oh, We'll go to the next one. The cross-examination principle. Um, it won't be, uh, won't make it too long here, but then uh, conversions of Paul and James. What do we know about the conversion of Paul? He persecuted. he persecuted the Christians. I mean, he was, who was he? Who was Saul or Paul? Somebody said something. Eric? He was a rabbi. He was Jewish. He saw Christianity as... An anti-Jewish cult coming up, and he was against. And so there was, there was this radical transformation, which not just Bible, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's evident everywhere else. This opposition, this opposing enemy, as it were, becoming the radical disciple of Jesus Christ. And there are verses here, but then I uh, won't look at that right now. But We won't look at that right now. But James's conversion. Who is James? The brother of Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so w- what evidence do we have from the Bible that during the ministry, the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, that his family were not too gung-ho with him? Sorry? He was rejected by the town. And then also his uh, there was a time when his brothers told him, like, why don't you go to Jerusalem? I mean, like, why are you doing a ministry here? Like, and they'd say because they didn't believe in him. All right. And uh, who was James later? Who was he? He was one, yeah, he was one he was one of the uh, church leaders in Jerusalem, and, and so he was a very important figure. in fact in Galatians 2, we saw that he was like one of the pillars uh, in the Jerusalem church, okay? So um, this is what Fuller has to say, that there is a criterion of embarrassment. What that means is such an important person in the church, if they start to say that, oh, he didn't, he didn't uh, you know, he wasn't very happy with Jesus during, during the time and now he changed, it wouldn't really look good if they were just making up a story. If you're making up a story, you will talk about how good a friend they were, and you know it's like this, right? The the guy who dies, however bad the person is, you always tell the good things about him, right? And how the person did, you know, I mean, like best friends and all of those things. So, the fact that they recognize that James was not a believer, and now he. Becomes a believer. And how did James die? He was beheaded. This is what Josephus has to say. Josephus, he was a Jewish historian uh, who writes, not again from the Bible, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, who was the leader of Jerusalem church, was stoned to death because of his belief in his brothers. So he says stoned to death. And, you know, stoned. um, uh, Because the Bible doesn't really say how he died. uh, So it could be stoned to death. Then there was the other one, which is the witness of the, <coughs> witness of the women. What is it about the witness of the women that we have a problem? Like, we know women were the ones who first saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what, according to the cultural setting of the first century, is an issue with the witness of, a, of women? I'm sorry, Erica. Say it again. Yeah, they they were not considered. their Their case was not evidence enough in court. <coughs> was not evidence enough in court, and and so if a story were to be fabricated, it had it it would not be the women because that just gets thrown out of the window right off. All right, and so we see that um, that uh, the. The, to fabricate with women as a central witness is an editorial suicide. That if somebody is writing a story like this and you use women to be the witness, it would be a suicide. All right. So what we looked at, uh, essentially with the internal evidence, like s- some of the thoughts, what, what are some of the things that you've learned as, a, as we looked at the in, as the Bible itself as a source of evidence? Any thoughts? Any learning? Heading? On this, this row? I'll go row by row. How <laughs> about just saying that just knowing that it's true allows you to just step out on faithful. Like you know that it's real, you know that it's true. And okay. You don't have that, you know it. All right. I'll take that. Any other thoughts? Any other <coughs> learning, and what, um, how the uh, how the cross references in the scripture, the internal evidence um, that you have learned, or uh, that was an aha moment for you, or something else you picked up. What is the most radical of, of change or whatever that you s- that you pick up in this in the session that we saw? Um, you know, what what, what what was that one thing that feels like ah oh, okay I can, I can that I can I can take as one reason uh, for believing in the resurrection? yes, correct. And so what we covered today is this something that you can say, okay, because of that, I know at least because of that, that one thing, I can, um, I can believe in the resurrection. right right okay any uh, anybody else any other thoughts and what what uh, from the scripture they can take away as as yeah bro Right. So what we've done is only probably one third, right? And so it's too early to put the whole picture. And I, I hope you understand. Don't, don't, don't say that. Okay, be, you know. Okay, by now I should have known, f- like completely, right? We 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 looked at one, and as you come back again, you realize that there are parts to it which which fit in so beautifully because when you look at the whole thing, the truth of the resurrection becomes. Uh, apparent there's one thing that always caught my attention which is in acts chapter 3 verse 14 <coughs> actually uh, 13 and 14 and this is again peter's uh, speaking uh because uh, uh peter and uh, john had gone to the temple they you know they were uh, um they raised uh, they uh, you know they healed the lame man and then as people come then, he's he's he there's another sermon in Acts. The fact that what Peter says is recorded. So chapter 3, verse 13, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, and he has decided to release him when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and ask for a murderer to be granted to you and you kill the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. Okay, very powerful. Again, he's taking it back to the resurrection. The one thing that really gives him the courage. But I don't know if you caught this. What does Peter say uh, early in verse 14? How does he begin it? But you, what? Denied the Holy One, like this is really Peter, you denied too, did he not? How many times? Three times. But what's the difference between what Peter is saying versus what he is now telling the Jews? Okay, all right. I this is what I take away. I know it's um, we're getting there, but this is what I take away. Resurrection gives him the belief that his sins have been forgiven, even the guilt of denial is taken away, and the fact that he can rest on that his salvation is secure because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and he is now saying, "Listen, you who've denied, you have the same." opportunity, repent and believe, right, it, it, it's uh, that word re- repent and believe, uh, the actual uh, use is there in uh, chapter 2, but, um, um, where does it say, 19, yeah, okay, so repent, therefore, turn back from your sins that may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Again, he connects it back to the Old Testament. Central is resurrection. His assurance salvation is resurrection the confidence that his sins have been forgiven is resurrection the invitation to the others to come in and participate is resurrection i want you to know that without resurrection we have no faith right but what we're trying to do is so that we can put words to why we believe what we believe so that if somebody asks us we can talk about it okay so uh we, we'll if the Lord tarries, we hope to continue the conversation but read up and 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 have a con conver- you know have something that we can talk about and learn together all right so uh, over the next two fridays uh, hope to have a little more uh, interaction let me let me just close and pray Father God, we want to thank you for your son we thank you Lord, that his uh, death his bu- burial his resurrection is uh true it's valid it's sufficient and so we are thankful that our sins are forgiven as we trust you lord and trust on his on your son and the fact that he died for us the fact that he took away our sins it's on and that we are now uh, free we are now uh, once uh, uh, we are we are, are ones who are invited to to be your children we thank you again for this truth, we, we pray that your spirit will continue to wrestle in our hearts, Lord. Clarify, uh, reveal to us more of your Son. We know, Lord, that these are your things. The things of God only the Spirit of God can reveal. And so we pray for that clarity from your spirit, Lord. Thank you again for all the heads that are bowed. And we love you, Lord. And uh, we pray that uh, your coming would be soon. Uh, We ask and thank all this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.